0: on. Yes, great. Hello, people online. Good to have you with us. Uh, can I have the first slide up, please? Nope. That's the second slide. I make it. That's the third slide. Is that honestly the second Is that the first slide? Okay. So if you can all just look at this, this is slide one. I might, maybe I added it in too late. I don't, I don't remember doing this. Maybe I oh, there he is. Yes. Thank you very much. That one. Um, Putty Putman. It's not a made-up name. He's a really <laughs> decent guy. He is a physicist turned pastor turned entrepreneur turned author. Um, he leads a vineyard church somewhere in the States. I'm so sorry. I will find out. Um, some more details before I introduce him when he comes, Uh, but on the 28th of February in the evening, he basically is coming to the UK, and when he comes, uh, I don't know how long he's coming for, and he's bringing a team of people with him, and we were offered, would you like him for an evening? So we've got him literally for 24 hours, and got him doing some stuff, Um, and Monday the 28th of Feb, 7.30, until 10, that says, until who knows when? Uh, so one of the things he is absolutely passionate about is s- seeing the Holy Spirit move and seeing stuff happen. So he is coming on the 28th of Feb. Please put it in your diary. I, I think it's an evening you're not going to want to miss. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I have to say, I've never even spoken to him like personally, but I know he's written something called The School of Kingdom Ministry, And I know some people who are following that and say, wow, it's just amazing. So I've heard him speak, whatever. Great guy. Very much looking forward to it. So Monday, the 28th of Feb. I know for some of you that will mean coming to the warehouse two two days in a row. You can do it. You can do it. It'll be okay. It is open to absolutely anybody. So if you've got friends who you think would like to come, bring them along. Slide two. One moment. That one. There it is. Slide two. Kingdom Academy. Now on your chairs, you've got one of these. And our passion is this. Kingdom Academy has come about because we are absolutely passionate about training people up for them to bring life to Ashford or to wherever it is they're going off to be. And... There are three words. They're on my back, actually, somewhere, that side or that side. Encounter, equip, experience. We want people to give up some time to sow into coming and being a part of Kingdom Academy for, I think it's about nine, ten months, something like that. It starts this September, as you can see, 17th of September this year. And the idea is that you have times where you encounter God, you are equipped to bring life and then you see change happen as a result of you. Yeah, that is, that's more exciting than that, I can see. Um, so there are a number of intern areas where you can intern this year. You will need at least two and a half days a week. Well, I can't, I work. Cut down your work. Ooh, I know it's a big thing. Um, sometimes people do this. They feel the tug of God to say, do you know what? I'm just going to cut down my hours. I'm going to sell some stuff, I'm going to whatever I need to do so that I can be a part of this because I don't want to miss this opportunity. I guarantee, yes I do, I guarantee that if you do this year, your life won't be the same again. And I think for the better. I'll leave you to be the judge of that if you come and do it, but we think for the better. So We have we obviously we've been planning this for ages. We've been praying about it for months and months and months. And we feel that the first people to kick this off will be people probably who are already here. There may be some people who come from abroad to do this, but we feel that most people are probably here, possibly even literally right now in this room. I don't. That's not some prophetic word. And we are looking for at least six people. Now the aim is by the second year. Instead of interning within Ashford Vineyard, the aim is that people are interning out in Ashford. They're interning with a school. They're interning with the local council. They're interning in a hairdresser's. They're interning um, at the hospital. I don't even know how that works. But these are all the things that we long to see. We, we just don't like this divide where people say, sometimes Christians use this expression, oh, you're in the ministry I don't really know what that means because, like, I haven't found anyone who isn't yet. Right? Right? We all have a job to do. We all—it's a responsibility on all of us to be bringing God's change wherever we go. Right? So we want to equip people specifically to be bringing the change out there, and this is like an intensive year. Um, So please, please read that, and if you have any questions at all, get in touch with Francis. She would love to just spend some time with you on Zoom or meet up in person and you'll have the chance to talk through many of your questions. So please don't just take it home, shove it down. We believe that God is speaking to some people and you have the chance to do something great. Brilliant. Family. So this is a new little mini-series. We are, after all, a family here on a mission. Who creates spaces for people to encounter God, be equipped to bring life, see the pattern here, and experience the outworking of this? Every place we go, we should be changing the atmosphere. Every single place, whether you just pop into Little for five minutes, whether you walk down the high street, whether you're at the school gate, whether you go into the local hospital, into doctor surgeries, wherever you go, the atmosphere should be shifting. That's the invitation we have. Yeah, it is more exciting than that, but it's okay. That's okay. So (laughs) we're going to get started. (laughs) Do just turn around to the person near you and just speak to them and just say hello. Just check your voice is working and like all that kind of, just say hello. Online, I don't know who you've got with you, but just say hello to someone, you know. Okay, yeah, no, you're right, we've, we've overdone it, that's it, that's it. Um, so, so that, the, what I love is when I speak, you're really welcome to do a yeah, a come on, an amen, uh, yeah, any of those, yeah, we love those. Obviously, please don't fake them, because they come across as just a bit synthetic, but um, just get in touch with your inner charismatic. But Anyway, so, uh, there are only four in this little mini-series. Uh, Because then we're moving on to spending some time just exploring the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. But we're going to get cracking. Believing the best. How long have we got? Not long. Okay. So once upon a time, when I was born, which was some time ago, speaking of, speaking of, in a couple of weeks' time, I will hit a milestone, um, finally leaving my 30s. And um, that wasn't funny. That wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't meant to be funny. Um, finally leaving my 30s 10 years behind me. And, um, yeah, so in two Sunday, What's the date? Three, three Sundays time, you're invited to stay behind after the service thing, and we're going to have something to nibble and... I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, so back in 1972, back in the day... There, as I was growing up, you had letters, you did have telegrams, I mean they had been heard of, you know, that they were they were a bit going out of fashion, but basically or you had a phone. Like you had to pick it up and go Oh my word. Anyway, then came email. Phrase first coined when I was nine. Email. SMS shortly followed, short message service. The first one ever sent, does anyone know what it said? The first SMS ever sent? Anyone know? It was, it was Merry Christmas. And that was sent on the 3rd of December, 1992. Unfortunately, the person couldn't reply because the phone wasn't capable of replying to messages. You couldn't reply to a message or send one from a phone until Nokia brought one out the next year in 93. I know, this is interesting, right? <laughs> So, and like you move on to now, and I have, I, I estimate I've got eight messaging platforms that I monitor. Some I monitor more closely than others, but I have Messages, Messenger, Insta, Slack, Twitter, WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram. Hello. I think I have about nine email accounts, plus some others which I don't monitor, like Kindle give you an email account. Like, anyway, so I don't, don't monitor that one. I've got FaceTime... Zoom, whereby I use tapbacks, emojis, memojis. My gift game isn't great. Yours is excellent. Shane, by the way. Um, but gifts, voice notes, voicemail—like it has become a nightmare. We are absolutely awash with communication tools. Once upon a time, going on holiday and putting an out of office was a piece of cake. These days, it's a nightmare. You have to remember to shut off everything or ignore other things. But what's happened with this proliferation of means of communication is that all too often we, we half hear, we half read, we, we hear rumours, we misinterpret little gestures because our brains and minds are so full and processing so much. We pick up on things and think, oh, did, we mis- did I misinterpret that? Maybe. Oh, I oh, oh, can't make that out. What do they mean by that? No kiss on the end of the text? <laughs> Ooh, they just said, OK. What does that mean? I can't remember with this person. Scroll up. Do they normally do a kiss? Yes, they do. They haven't done one. Have they got the ache with me? Does it mean a reluctant OK? Does it mean, OK, I'm busy? They haven't got time to put the kiss on the end. And, it, and we get this confusion. Now, communication, as an absolute backbone of relationship, matters more than ever. Personal relationships, of course, matter infinitely more than articles you might read. I have, I have, um, uh, I have, use Apple News, um, and it basically curates some news it thinks I would like. It doesn't always get it right. You can see the inside of so and so's home what their home must be like based on a photo they recently released on Insta and what you can see in the background. And all these other things, some decent articles. And if I misunderstand those, I don't quite pick up the nuances of the author. I'm not really massively bothered. I'm not in a relationship probably with that author. But interestingly, we have this as a bit of a pressure Jesus said this A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Let's go through that again. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so in the same style, so you need to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. So into the context of this awash of communication, we still have this command, love one another in the way I loved you. Our love for each other, for people who've said yes to Jesus, our love for each other is supposed to be so striking that the whole world knows that we're following Jesus. That's what that says, isn't it? That's what it looks like to me. Great. By this, everyone will know Doesn't even say some people. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. This is the gold standard, the kingly standard that has been set. I don't know about you, I'm pretty intimidated by that. And I'm like, at the moment, it's a work in progress. I will say that. But if I'm ever going to achieve this level, and it must be possible because Jesus isn't going to give us a command to do something and then not make a way for us to do it. That doesn't make any sense. So it must be possible. Then I think that we have to start by doing this. We have to Begin by believing the best in other people. Doesn't matter what we hear, doesn't matter what we see, we have to start by believing the best in other people. So, this means that when you see something or hear something, you believe the best first. That is your default position. That's where you jump to, regardless of what you hear or see. That is like the crucial. Sound bite that I want you to take away. We believe the best first, regardless of what we see, hear, or are told. See, the thing is, we all see and hear things through our own filters. And our filters have been shaped by our upbringing and our life and the things we've been through. Good and bad, it is worth pointing out. So if you're hearing someone in such a way that you're being offended, maybe that's God nudging you to say, it's time you sorted that issue out in you that sees that as offence. Because if you think that's offence, you should see what's around the corner. It's not other people's fault that you haven't dealt with your stuff yet. And I haven't dealt with mine, just in case you're thinking I'm aiming that at you. I've written down, if we are to reach this standard of loving well, then believing the best becomes non-optional. We are going to need to wind our judgmental, I know best, necks in. I can see you all tweeting it. We are going to need to wind our judgmental, I know best, necks in. Because I want to tell you this, and it might surprise you, you know for yourself, but you We probably don't really believe it for other people. Most people are doing their best. Most people are doing their best. Not all people, but most people, they're doing their best. With what they've got in life, with the capacity they have, with the skills they've been given, with the love they've been shown, with the shaping of their character that they've experienced, they're probably doing their best. So let's imagine for a minute... But I hear a report that Chris Tatton, who's not here, but if you are watching on the motorway, which Vic said you would be, put your phone down. You're on holiday with your wife. So anyway, <laughs> and I, don't worry, because it's a nice thing I'm saying, because it's so far-fetched. But if I hear a report that Chris has been too unfair to someone or insensitive... Now, I know I'm technically Chris's boss. Let's just put that aside just for a slight moment. So my first position is this. I don't make a judgment. Chris, someone comes to me, or I hear tittle-tattle that Chris has been really unfair, insensitive to someone. And that person's a bit upset. I'm not saying whether it did or didn't happen. That, for a moment, is irrelevant. Take a breath. Step back. Believe the best. Remember, that person being spoken about is God's kid too. Jesus died for them. Father God adores them, and he delights in them. So what I try to do, and I'm terrible at this, but I'm going to tell you what I at least try to do. If I wouldn't want someone to think it of me, I try not to think it of someone else. It's gone quiet now. And then do this. Don't tell anyone about it. Particularly the other person you know He's been being a bit upset by Chris don't go and find them to justify your insecurity above all love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins so how would I reply I am really making this up and I hope you stopped watching Chris by the way <laughs> Maybe in my head, maybe Chris is having a bad day. Is he okay? It's not that I'm not caring for the person telling me oh, I was pretty upset, Chris was really insensitive to him. That really matters. It's not that I'm not caring for them, but I'm certainly not going to go, yeah, I know. What's he like, eh? Awful, is You wait, I'll sort him. Don't you worry. Because that's what that person effectively wants. They want, they want my justification of their position. That this is what we do. We all do it. And if we don't, we've all we've done is learnt to fight that urge, but we definitely have that urge. Is Chris okay? Maybe I haven't got all the facts. I haven't walked even a day in Chris's shoes. I wonder what's going on for Chris at the moment that if this is true he would be insensitive. It doesn't sound like him. Hope he's okay. I'm gonna catch up with him, see if he's all right. See, what I'm refusing to do is step into a place of judgment. You could argue you're his boss. If anyone's got the right to stand in a place of judgment, then it's you because you are are his boss. That is true. But even if that were an option for me, why would I stand in a place of judgment? Because actually, what I want to happen is I want this relationship to be redeemed and restored. Not for me to go in already having made up my mind and effectively have a go at Chris or correct him or whatever else. Do you see? I'm not going from that viewpoint. So if I did have a conversation with Chris and I've listened to the story enough, do you know in actual fact the first thing I would say to that person who comes to me and tells me a report or something, and this isn't even what we're talking about, do you know the first thing I would say? Oh wow, I'm really sorry to hear that. Have you talked to Chris about it? Well, I tell you what, go and talk to Chris about it. If you've still got a problem, by all means, come and talk to me about it. Do me a favour, in the meantime, don't talk to anyone else about it. Because your love for him covers over a multitude of sins, right? So you don't need to talk to other people about it. Just text him. Just call him, just ring him, just catch him, whatever. And just say, oh, Chris, can I just have a word? You know that thing you said the other day, actually... Can I just tell you how it made me feel? I, I was pretty, I was a bit upset about it. I was a bit offended. Did you mean, this is what I heard? Nick does this with me. She says to me, okay, this is the story I'm telling myself. That's what Nick tells me. <laughs> this is the story I'm telling myself. You went out tonight. She wouldn't say this. I'm, I'm making this, this bit up. You went out tonight because you didn't want to be with me. That's the story I'm telling myself. Now, what I love about that was instead of it being accusatory... And Nick's saying, you went out because you don't want to be with me. No, she's saying, this is, what I'm, this is what the story is in my head. You went out because you don't want to be with me. That's the story. And then I have a chance to say, you know, it is why I went out. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> As if. Um, but then what you have then is the opportunity. Because you're now not being accused. You're not being judged. The person's just sharing with you how they are feeling. And then you can say... Oh gosh, no, that's not the reason in the slightest. I've just overjudged my diary and it's just too many times it's not that at all. Or whatever, I'm literally making this up. As soon as you step into a place of judgment, the chances of you having decent reconciliation with the person you're judging has just become ten times harder. Second thing is this. Now, this is from Ephesians chapter 4. So Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, uh -uh, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now that's... That's hardcore, right? And this is why we must never, ever come away from the plumb line of the Bible. What the Bible says is true. And I know that it's not a comfortable thing to say these days that there is truth, but the the God who is revealed in these pages is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so even when we find bits uncomfortable, we have to sit with them and ask God about them. Here's the verse nestled in the middle. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now if you go back a verse from there, it's really interesting that these verses have been put together. It says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. It's not enough just to say, you need to stop stealing now. You were stealing. You've now come to a position of not stealing. And Paul goes on to say, "Ah, we're not stopping there. You now need to do something with your hands. Actually go and work. Very next verse, unwholesome talk. He says, you need to stop the unwholesome talk. But I'm not stopping there. Because actually what you now need to do is use your speech to bring life. And you need to be speaking life over people like this. So it's not enough that we bite our tongue. Instead, we're actually commanded to speak life over people. Even politicians. And do not, I know, right? And don't think for a moment that because someone's not in earshot, it doesn't have an impact in the spiritual realm. Someone doesn't have to be within earshot for heaven to hear it. And God gets the ache when we slag off his kids. I might say to that person, I'm sorry that happened and it seemed like Chris was unfair to you. He's a really good guy who I'm sure was doing his best. Have you talked to him about it? I've stopped, I haven't made a judgment, and then I've spoken life. I've just affirmed who Chris is. Now, he is imperfect like the rest of us. And for all I know, he was a bit unfair. But I also trust God's, uh, Chris's heart enough that Chris will sort that out. Maybe he doesn't even realise he did it. So notice, I didn't join that person in standing in judgement. And... I went further than that and instead I chose to affirm and speak life. Now, it's not because he's technically like an employee or something. I'm literally just picking on Chris because I figured he wouldn't mind and he's supposed to have his phone off on the motorway on the way to holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I've said, use your words to bring life. Now, this might come as a bit of a shock to you and this might, you might find this offensive, surprising even. I'm not sure, but did you know... The world is not owed your opinion. I know, or mine. I know we love to give it. That's what social media is for, right? Because we can give our opinion. I've got the right to say what I want. Sure. Sure. We owe it to Jesus and the world to be bringing life. That's what we've been asked to do. In fact, it's even in our like tagline, bringing life to Ashford, bringing life to the city. In Romans, it says this, Owe no one anything except the continuing debt to love one another. And in Proverbs, it says the power of life and death is in the tongue. So believing the best has got at its root, don't make a judgment and instead choose to speak life. What I love is in that moment that someone's telling you about someone who's done something or someone's done that thing to you. Come on, we have it loads, where someone just walks off. Oh, it looked like so and so had the right ache this morning, or whatever, that kind of thing. Do you know they just seem like they were really short with me. We have the opportunity in that moment to not join in with the whispering going on in there. Yeah, see, they don't even like you. They haven't got time for you. You're insignificant. Bah, 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 bah. We have the chance to flip that around and say, I thank you, God, that I am wholly significant. And I pray for so-and-so because it looked like they were really harassed this morning. And they're really hassled. And I don't know what's going on for them, but I speak life over their situation. And I pray, God, that the kingdom will break out for them today. And I know that their mum's not well or their dog's just had an operation or they've just lost their job or whatever. And I, I just speak life over that situation. That was your amen cue. It's okay, it's okay, you missed it. Now it would sound synthetic, so don't worry. And then you get this verse, and Jesus said this. It's not even like you could say, well, Paul, you know, Paul sometimes goes off on one. Yeah, this is Jesus. Don't judge, or you'll be judged. And in the same way you judge others, that's how you're going to be judged. And with the measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. Oh, okay. Let's have a dig around in the, in the Greek for a while. See if we can soften this up a little. No, do not judge or you're going to be judged. It reminds me of the end of the um, Lord's Prayer, which is in the same section of the Bible. Or, what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer, it says afterwards, and if you, if you have anything against your brother or sister, then you need to forgive them. And if you don't, then you've just put yourself in a position of not being able to be forgiven yourself. That's where you go, oh, can I have a second opinion? I'm going to read it in another 17 translations and see if I can improve this verse. You can't improve this verse. Some of the things Jesus says are utterly offensive. Don't judge, or you'll be judged. So wrapping up, because we need to. I'm compelled by this concept that Jesus says, how you treat each other is going to speak volumes to people who don't yet know him. We are identifiable not by the fish on our car. (laughs) We're not identifiable by a little cross. We're not identifiable even by the fact that we say hallelujah. We're identifiable by the fact that where we go, we bring life. And our love for each other is so extraordinary that people are able to recognize they're following Jesus. We are the model. We are the example People will know we're following Jesus by the way we treat each other. Let's, uh, we're going to stand and pray. Now maybe you don't have any sorries to say, but I do. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that Any rap over the knuckles that we ever kind of sense from you is always so utterly loving, and it's only ever to bring us into greater freedom and greater life. And God, these words, they're tough. Tough, tough words. But Father, we want to say that we are sorry for when we haven't believed the best about someone else, for where we've stood in judgment over them, for where we've believed that we're better. For where we've effectively said, Oh I I wouldn't ever do that. I'm so sorry, God, for where I have considered myself better than them. For where I've spoken death, not life, over them. For where I've said things like, That's oh, just what they're like. That's exactly what I'd expect. And God, I pray that right now the words that we have spoken that are destined to bring death will somehow be cancelled. And I pray, God, in the next couple of days that you will remind us of some things we've said that weren't, weren't great. And we can just say, oh, sorry, God, and then just... Speak life instead. And help us all, Father, please, to at first believe the best. That becomes our default position, is we believe the best. Even now, I believe God is just showing people, faces of people or situations. If you want to deal with them now, you're welcome. God doesn't need our groveling or barely our lamenting. He just needs us to repent, which means just to turn. Just, oh God, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did speak unkindly about that person. And instead, right now, I speak life over them. I declare your blessing over them. That God, your face is shining on them. Your delight is utterly in them. Father, help make us here as Asher Vineyard into a family that believes the best of each other and others. Yes, God.